Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Funsky. Bruce Franks's time in the Missouri legislature was brief, but impactful. The St. Louis native was galvanized by the Ferguson protests. He ran for office in 2016. That year, he toppled a member of a local political dynasty in a hard-fought special election. In Jefferson City, he won passage of a bill declaring youth violence a public health epidemic. He also won re-election. But he resigned after just three years. He said he needed to deal with his mental health. And he said he was leaving St. Louis. Since then, though, Franks's profile has only risen, and that's due to St. Louis Superman. The short documentary profiles Franks. It debuted last spring at the Tribeca Film Festival, and now it's nominated for an Academy Award. The film starts by showing Bruce Franks with his young son, King, who was born the day Michael Brown was shot in Ferguson. Let's listen. Ah, uh, you know what song I heard today? Yeah. That I ain't heard in a long time. What? We we ready. We ready for ya. You sang it when I was five. You ain't five though. You ain't five to what day? August. August what? Nine. August ninth. You gonna learn about August ninth real soon. Something else happened on August night when you was born. What happened? I'll tell you when you five. <laughs> and that's the Academy Award-nominated short, St. Louis Superman, profiling former state representative Bruce Franks. And here to discuss the film with us today is Smriti Mundra. She's the co-director of St. Louis Superman. Smriti, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we're also joined by co-director Sammy Khan. Sammy, thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks so much for having us. Now, neither of you are from St. Louis. I'm wondering, how did Bruce Franks first get on your radar? I read a newspaper article about Bruce um, in one of the the local St. Louis papers. Just uh, it popped on my radar um, one day and was immediately captivated. I sent it to Sammy, you know, and... uh, uh, just said there's something special here and, you know, we should we should dig a little deeper and reach out and see if maybe we can um, we can reach Bruce. And so what made you decide um, this isn't just an interesting story, this should be a documentary? Well, there, we were looking to do a story about, like, the 2018 midterm elections, but most of the stories that we first explored were just kind of surface level and were going to be dated really quickly once you know, the the news cycle um, was over. But when Sriti pitched uh, Bruce to us, it was like, here's a story that has depth and has this timeless quality to it because of, you know, the, the trauma that Bruce has had to deal with in his personal life and the heroics that he's doing in the present. You know, there's not many stories out there. You know, we're experienced enough as filmmakers to know that there's not many stories with you know, the gravitas and just the power of Bruce's story. So we really, really jumped at the chance. Smriti, was it hard to get Bruce interested in opening up to you and giving you the level of access that we see in the film? Um, Well, yes. The the short answer is yes. It was initially, the hardest part was getting him to respond to our many um, emails, you know, uh, DMs, tweets, etc. We I think we attempted to reach him for a, 
several months, you know, maybe like three months, three or four months before he finally um, responded. Actually, he had his legislative uh, assistant, Danielle Spradley, uh, his legislative assistant at the time, respond to us. Um, and, you know, I, I think there was, you know, Bruce had a natural um, skepticism about, uh, you know, filmmakers from New York and Los Angeles reaching out to him about doing a documentary. You know, I think particularly, um, you know, coming out of Ferguson, a lot of, you know, people, a lot of journalists, filmmakers, et cetera, um, have come into the community to tell the version of the story, you know, that that is in their minds and not necessarily, you know, humbling themselves to listen and learn um, and reflect back the story that the community is telling. And Bruce had, was skeptical, which, you know, is completely understandable. But, um, I, you know, from the beginning, I think we just really wanted to just meet him, you know, and see, you know, uh, the process of making a documentary, you know, as you described, is, like, very intimate, especially the way that Sammy and I make films. And um, we just wanted to meet him and see if it was a good fit on both sides. Um, so when he finally relented to that meeting, um, I flew to St. Louis and... The idea was just to meet him for a coffee, and lo and behold, that coffee went really well because we ended up filming that, starting filming that same day. Um, and once we were in with Bruce, there was no barriers. There was no, I mean, he trusted us. You know, we, we recognize that we are not from St. Louis. We recognize we're not from the community that he's from, and we're not here to come in and quote-unquote tell his story. We're here to bring the tools that we have so he can tell his own story. And there's a really compelling scene in the film where he's speaking at a community center. Um, and he kind of puts, he summarizes just so many of the things that he's gone through. I want to listen to that now. I'm from 4300 Gibson. My hood don't look no different than any other hood out here around Fairground, the West Side, or nowhere else. The common denominator was we was poor, we didn't have resources. We didn't have those beautiful buildings. That's right. Police didn't show up fast when we called. Back in 1991, two men was outside arguing. We was outside playing baseball. My big brother, Christopher, he was nine years old. One of the guys put out a gun, the one shot, and my brother was killed. My dad spent 65% of my life in jail. My little brother, my best friend, Rodney, just got home last year. Got locked up when he was 14, and he just got out. He's 31. If you would have told me on August 8, 2014, four years ago, that I'd be a state representative, I probably would have cussed you out about three different languages. <laughs> but then Michael Brown was killed. Although it was Mike Brown, I saw me. I saw my son in 15 years. I saw all the youth that I mentor on that ground. And I felt like, you know what, this is my time to stand up. And as we see in that scene, he has just such a gift for connecting with people. And I'm wondering, after the time you spent with him, what would you attribute that to? Um, Sammy, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I love that you chose that scene because that's personally one of my favorite scenes. And I remember just the context around it. And, and Bruce was feeling a little down um, that day before he went to Mission St. Louis, the organization where he spoke. But then after, Bruce was like completely energized by it, by those connections and, um, you know, that, that sort of synthesis that you're, that you're describing. Um, but Bruce has this, you know, he says that your storytelling is your superpower, but he also has this superpower of empathy, you know, and the ability to read a room, which is 
difficult to, you know, to sort of carry that with you when you maybe don't want to know how a whole room is feeling. You want to shut that off. But, you know, if you're meeting with, you know, men who are formerly incarcerated who are looking for your help and you draw inspiration from them and they from you, that can be a really, really powerful thing. So those those twin superpowers that Bruce has, um, the the storytelling and the empathy were really like uh, sort of, you know, shining lights in the film. And, you know, you played the opening scene where both of those things are on full display with the with the moment with King, his son. And yet, as you allude to, this was a, a really tough time in his life. How soon did you get a sense that, oh, man, he's really dealing with some stuff here? Uh, I mean, for me, it was immediate. Um, you know, I I was aware, you know, um, just through my, my day-to-day work and, you know, reading stories about Erica Garner, Eric Garner's daughter, and Vanita Browder, Khalif Browder's mother, who had both passed away um, right around the time that we started filming, um, I was, you know, cognizant of the toll that activism, you know, um, has on people, particularly on people of color, you know, but when I went to St. Louis for the first time, you know, on our first, uh, that first time to go meet Bruce for coffee, the thing that personally struck me the most was the moments in between when he was, you know, sort of doing his constituent work, when he was, the moments, because I was with him for 14 hours that day, and it was the moments between when he was speaking to an audience or at a rally or on a, you know, talk show when we were just driving around or sitting, you know, uh, in, a, in one place to have a coffee or, or a meal when you could feel the weight of all that work on him. And what really struck me was that, for, and at that time he was very actively working to pass, um, to pass his bill. Um, and so he was essentially every, you know, every time he got up in front of a crowd to speak, he was speaking from his heart and he was speaking from personal experiences, which means ripping open, you know, his deepest wounds, you know, day in and day out. Like, just imagine having to tell the story of the, the absolute most devastating day of your life four times a day. You know, that's going to take a toll on you. Um, and so I, I saw that pretty immediately. And I think that was something that we explored together with Bruce throughout, you know, the process of filming the documentary, um, because we saw that trauma compound um, during the time that we were filming and editing the documentary, and um, Bruce was very open about sharing it with us. We're talking to Smitri Mundra. Uh, She's the co-director of St. Louis Superman, the film about Bruce Franks that's up for an Academy Award this Sunday. And we're also talking to her co-director, who is Sammy Khan. Now, in the film, we see Bruce doing a rap battle. And it's just, it's a great scene. But his opponent tears into him um, and uses to do that a story about him that ran in the Riverfront Times. And Bruce was on the cover. The headline was Inside Man. And the deck said, cop critic Bruce Franks is now an unpaid cop consultant? Can he really reform law enforcement from within? And his opponent even wears a t-shirt showing the cover of this newspaper. So here's how Franks responded to that in the battle. You saw Bruce's banner and think that you could f- with the Hulk? I mean, Bruce Franks like Bruce Wayne, businessman, live the dark life. So who better to answer those signals when my city needs a dark night for those dark nights? Hey, COC, y'all bought me y'all big dog like this was necessary? Everybody claim they Cujo till they get found in a pet cemetery. <laughs> he write balls, I write bills. What's levels to this? I told y'all, I ain't come to play a motherfucking round, and if I'm lying, I'm lying. 
And that's from the film St. Louis Superman. Sammy, this is such a different side of Bruce. He can be so soft-spoken. Um, were you surprised by what you guys witnessed there in that scene? I wasn't really surprised by the intensity of Bruce. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate where one of our key creative partners on the film is a really talented St. Louis filmmaker named Chris Renteria. And Chris actually shot that sequence and just did an amazing job. Um, but, like, Bruce talks, and he, you know, he talks about this in the film, about the way he modulates himself and his tone depending on, you know, where he's at. You know, if he's talking to, like, a conservative Republican uh, talk show host, he talks in a certain way. And, you know, on Battle Rap, he'll talk, you know, in the way that, you know, in the clip you played. But the one of the struggles that was going on when he was in electoral politics was he wasn't getting enough of a creative outlet. He was sort of, you know, as what he was saying, he was, you know, having to go to these places and talk about his trauma over and over again, but not having the release and the freedom and the autonomy the way that he does in his battle rap. So, you know, since leaving elected politics, I think that's just freed up his schedule so he can be more creative. He can focus on, um, you know, on battle rap. And that is really a release. And, you know, he has other creative outlets, too, but that's sort of the one that, you know, he's he's at the pinnacle. And I think he's really bringing the form, you know, I mean, not to be pretentious or anything, but having witnessed Bruce's career in battle rap over the last two and a half years or so, you can see how he's, like, changing the form of battle rap, like, both by infusing politics into his battles, but also talking about these issues of mental health, of, you know, just dealing with trauma, um, and that's been really exciting to witness. So he did end up um, quitting politics, as you say. And I'm wondering how that ended up changing the film. You must have been a little bit surprised um, when he made that decision. Yeah, um, it was definitely a surprise. Uh, you know, not that we were on, we were very aware of, this, you know, how he was struggling. Um, you know, Sammy and I, we were, you know, in touch with Bruce, you know, daily almost. I talked to Bruce almost every day. Um, during the editing of the film and was very aware of everything he'd been going through with, um, you know, the deaths of his his best friend and his godson and how that was, you know, just compounding, um, you know, the depression and anxiety that he was going through. Um, I think the reason that his decision to leave uh, his seat was so surprising was, you know, not that, I think, I mean, we always knew it was the right thing for him. That was very clear. But it's it's you know we don't live in a world where people have the courage to give up power, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, especially you know in order to take care of themselves. Um, you know, people believed in Bruce and they believed in the version of Bruce that they saw, the superhero that they saw. Um, a lot of people didn't know how much he was suffering inside, and you know, I, you know, I think it's understandable that a lot of people felt betrayed and disappointed when he left um, elected office, but having been, you know, with him, you know, talking to him through that time on a daily basis and having had this, this um, much more intimate perspective on his life, you know, than I think a lot of people had access to, we knew, we knew it was the right decision for him. So we, you know, with the, under the guidance of our executive producer, Sheila Nevins, who's, uh, you know, an absolute legend um, of documentary filmmaking, uh, we put an end card, you know, that explained his decision to leave office and, and why. Um, and because it happened after we had finished 
shooting, editing the film had already had already premiered the film. Sammy and I wondered, like, do we need to include this this element, you know, in the film? And Sheila really convinced us that no, this is people are so invested in this journey, and they they're go- they need to know where it ended up, and this is the honest truth. And I mean, that really was the right decision to include that detail at the end of the film. I think it, you know, not only is it a more honest film as a result, but I, th- I think it's a better film, and I think it really adds more nuance and more depth to the, to the journey that we've seen, you know, for 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think without that, I think, um, you know, it, it, it is just such a, a better ending that you acknowledge that reality. So uh, Smriti Mundra of St. Louis Superman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. And uh, co-director... to represent St. Louis. <laughs> and co-director Sammy Khan, uh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and good luck to you both on Sunday at the Academy Awards. Thank you. Thank you. you.